Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy-to-implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much happier and healthier life. Today's show is made possible through the generous support of People Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. Learn more about People Unlimited and their partner longevity experts in the Coalition for Radical Life Extension at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with the host of Alive, John Asher. CEO and founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. John's guest is Dr. Jeffrey Boone, Chief Medical Officer of the Asher Longevity Institute and the founder and director of the Boone Heart Institute in Denver. The title of the show is Cardiovascular Health and Longevity. Hello, John. Hello, Dave. Thanks for the introduction. Dr. Boone, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, John. So we're going to give everybody a little bit of an introduction on how uh, Dr. Boone and I got together. So I became a patient of Boone Institute in Denver about five years ago based on a recommendation from my ND here in D.C. And he recommended based on what he saw for my cholesterol levels that I go out and see uh, Dr. Boone and get a, a day-long evaluation. And so I did look them all up on the website, of course. And uh, Jeff and his group, just world-renowned uh, reputation had some great premier clients like the Denver football team, the Broncos, the Denver baseball team, the Rockies, some of the famous people on the West Coast. So I knew I was in good company. And so I went out and had the day-long evaluation. And one of the things that Dr. Boone discovered was that my blood pressure was a little bit out, especially in my legs. I've actually never measured my legs before. And also my LDL and total cholesterol were too high. My LDL was good. So we had a total evaluation for a day. And one of the evaluations was a contrast CT with barium that can show you exactly what's going on in your heart with the arteries and the valves. And so I had that evaluation and Dr. Boone and Dr. Edmondson, world renowned also, cardiologist has written a book about this, great picture book, showed on a big screen and a, took up the whole side of the wall in our office, showed my heart, the six arteries, and showed that three of the six arteries were partially blocked, all about 50%, and there was a lot of soft, dangerous, soft plaque floating around in the arteries. So Dr. Boone had me double my statin. Do some uh, take some other drugs that were good at lowering blood pressure and also expanding the um, arteries. And after about a year and a half, I came back and we did the same tests among many tests for the day. And then showing on the big screen, two of the arteries had gone from 50% block down to 120 and 130% block. And then based on that, Dr. Boone had me take Repatha. that got my LDL down to seven, in other words, almost non-existent. It stayed around 20 after that. And when I went back for the next evaluation, then it showed that it almost totally reduced in all three arteries and almost zero soft plaque floating around. So as Dr. Boone mentioned, my arteries have gone from a hot volcano <laughs> ready to burst to a dormant volcano. So a terrific evaluation. And based on our friendship that we developed when we founded the Asher Longevity Institute, 
Dr. Boone was the obvious uh, choice to be our chief medical officer. And it just so turned out in his practice and his life, he was thinking about that possibility as well. So now he has been the chief medical officer for the Actual Longevity Institute for about a year. And he's on today to give us a primer on the heart and why it is such an important thing to think about with regard to longevity. So Dr. Boone, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. Thanks, John. And that was an excellent introduction. And your history, your case, uh, your progress really illustrates what I think could be extended to all of your listeners those who are involved with Asher Longevity Institute. Uh, the initial progress and process involved in this is uh, the assessment of an individual on a very precise, personalized way. Most of our information in the cardiology world is very population-based, and it's quite good, but it doesn't really look at you specifically. And in your case, once we began opening up a, a world of imaging of your arteries, we discovered less than optimal situations that might impede your uh, eventual goals of longevity and performance uh, for many, many years to come. Those imagings then begin to really give us clarity about what we're up against. The disease of atherosclerosis, which is the clogging of the arteries, which plagues all of the Western world and, and eventually is the most uh, important aspect of a long, healthy life, of keeping those arteries ideally pristine and clear. Now, oftentimes as we get older, it's not just enough to follow all of the wonderful recommendations that you have with your longevity institute with sleep and diet and exercise and various other supplements. Those are very important, but at a certain point, imaging of your uh, vascular tree and then aggressively treating that with not only non-drug therapy, but drug therapy is very important. So in your case, John, we initially found these 50% blockages in the heart with imaging called CT angiography, and they were brilliantly portrayed by our uh, cardiologists and radiology colleagues. Those then were the process that in some settings would be viewed as not significant. That is too much of the healthcare system is waiting for those to be blocked significant enough to need a stent or a bypass, but that's way too much, way too late. It has not led to an eradication of cardiovascular disease. So we believe that detecting plaque early, whether it be in the arteries of the leg, the neck, the brain, or importantly, the heart would trigger very aggressive action, a changing of what is aggressive care from hospital-based emergency angiogram, stent, and bypass, all of which is wonderful if you need them, but best to never need those and to embark on the process that you did in your health. So the first stage is often uh, involved with everything from an aspirin to a statin drug. And the statin drugs have sometimes received a bad mark for side effects, but really they have very few side effects that aren't anything more than annoying. About 10% of people will have muscle aches and pains, but 90% of people tolerate them quite uh, well. And they are the foundation of plaque reversal. So your first wave of evaluation, John, showed an improvement in the plaque that we see with the, the statins. For example, a Crestor Rosuva statin will reverse plaque by some measures, oh, for example, in some of the studies from the Cleveland Clinic by about 0.9 cubic millimeters a year. So the plaque in the arteries will shrink by volumetric measures. And we started to see that with you. Then the second time I saw you, we were in the midst of the advent of a new drug called a PCSK9 inhibitor. And PCSK9 is just a fancy word for a gene that, that is involved in the liver cells that then comes into the bloodstream and it destroys cholesterol receptors. So by giving you, John, a PCSK9 receptor blocker called Repatha, there's another one called Proluent, these will inhibit the ability of the PCSK9 gene to destroy cholesterol 
receptors. And these receptors are like thousands and millions and billions of workers that are trying to clean your arteries out, much like the workers uh, we looked at, you know, something like Mile High Stadium after a game. If you only have 100 people cleaning up the stadium, it takes forever. But if you had 50,000 people cleaning up the stadium, it would take 15 minutes. And in a sense, the PCSK9 inhibitor empowers your receptors to clear cholesterol for the blood at unprecedented levels. Now, interestingly, as your cholesterol got as low as seven, and mine's 17 right now, usually below 20, that seems to be the best position for regressing or reversing atherosclerosis, not only in the heart, but probably you're benefiting from a side benefit in the brain, the legs, the, the bowels, the kidneys, the all throughout the body, the plaque is being reversed by such low cholesterol levels. Now, some people think the body needs cholesterol, and it certainly does, but it doesn't need it floating around in the bloodstream where it just causes disease. They followed these great successes that occur with a drug like Repatha, and they've been very closely studying people like you and I, John, who have cholesterols, LDL, the bad cholesterol, below 25, and they have not found any negative, in fact, uh, a very neutral effect, if not a beneficial effect on the brain. So ultimately, I tell my patients who I add the Repatha to, the PCSK9 inhibitor, that we're not actually lowering your cholesterol, we're just getting it out of your bloodstream into the factories that use the cholesterol to manufacture all that our body needs to stay young and healthy. So in many ways, uh, cholesterol in your bloodstream is like gasoline in the street. You've got to get it out of the street where it'll just catch fire into the cars and trucks. The same way jet fuel down a runway is just trouble. If you get it in the airplanes, they fly. Cholesterol floating in your bloodstream just causes those 50% blockages that you had, John. And now several of those have been reduced to 20 and even 0%. Each blockage is a bit like a different oh, geologic formation. And as you suggested, in a sense, what we're looking at both anatomically with imaging and then with genetics and other blood profiling is finding active volcanoes in your bloodstream and in your artery walls and then making those extinct and varying levels of reversal will occur with that as well. So you're really the beneficiary of a great longevity process over the last three years that have enhanced all of the other uh, methods that you've outlined in your nine steps in the Asher Longevity Institute. John and uh, Dr. Boone, it's time for a quick commercial break. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make the system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. We've been speaking with Dr. Jeffrey Boone about cardiovascular health and longevity. Now back to the discussion. So Dr. Boone, thanks so much for that explanation. It actually cleared up one thing for me that I've always um, wondered about and never knew the answer. And that is you hear people say, well, you don't want to take your cholesterol too low because the body needs uh, cholesterol. So your explanation that uh, we're not getting rid of it in the body we're only getting rid of it in the veins or the, the arteries rather. That was, that was a great learning for me. Now I can explain it. <laughs> so that was great. Could you give us like a big picture of what the systems in the heart are and how it all works together? 
Yes, John, and, and I'm glad that analogy worked well for you because it was a great paradox to doctors around the world, knowing that the cholesterol is the foundational building block for many of the parts of our body that are uh, that are being manufactured on a daily basis. But these approaches, getting the cholesterol out of the bloodstream into the factories, even getting more of it into the brain is very helpful. Now, the blood vessels are just a very important, probably the most critical part of, of cardiovascular health. I often uh, define five different entities that we're involved with. So as you look toward a precise, well-personalized cardiovascular program with you and your clients, you would want to look at an expert approach to the muscle of the heart. So the muscle is the pumping action of the heart, and it often can lead to heart failure or other problems. So the muscle, very important. The valves of the heart, equally important. We have found concomitant with the blockage of arteries that we see in the blood vessels of the heart, there's a film or a sclerotic film that often gets on top of the various valves, especially the important aortic valves. So looking at the muscle, the valves of the heart, very important. And as you do that, you see various chamber sizes and wall thicknesses that are in part of an electrical system that also is coursing through the heart. So muscle valves, electricity, the blood vessels that we've talked about, and then finally the blood itself. So there's five different entities that must be thoroughly evaluated if you want longevity from your cardiovascular system to prevent valve disease, electrical disease, muscle disease, blood vessel disease, and then clotting disease and other parts of the blood system. So I used to call them the four horsemen of heart attack and stroke, but now I've got a fifth one. So I've got to come up with a new analogy and, uh, and move away from that. But those five entities are always the foundation of our work, trying to image those. And I like to look at those anatomically, meaning you actually look through a lens of an ultrasound or a CAT scan uh, or a stethoscope to look at these particularly from an anatomic perspective, and then physiologically, how are the walls and the electrical system working together? And then finally, biochemically and genetically. So each of these five entities of cardiovascular concern need to be approached anatomically, physiologically, biochemically, and genetically. And much of the standard healthcare system really doesn't look at that. There's a primary prevention where you've got high cholesterol and, and and high blood pressure. And then there's a secondary prevention. You've already had a heart attack or stroke. And we believe that ought to be changed to primary, secondary being what you and I go through in imaging our own hearts, John. And then tertiary would be a third entity where we have all the excellent hospitals and cardiologists who will take care of us when we get sick. But if we do well in the primary and secondary realm, we'll never need those advanced interventions. So I guess you had the four factors that you call the four horsemen. Now, I guess for the five factors, you're going to have to call it the basketball team, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the, the fabulous five or something like that. <laughs> so one thing I didn't quite follow, and that is the effect on the valves. You mentioned yes. the film can build up. Is that, is that mainly cause the valves to leak? Yeah, very interesting. We've just picked that up in the last couple of years with the advent of Repatha and Proloin and the PCSK9 inhibitor, and then the discovery of a genetic entity called lipoprotein A. 
LP little a uh, was described as a dangerous cholesterol particle even uh, 50 years ago, but it continues to emerge as a problem. The cholesterol is especially sticky. And that's why you, it's almost dangerous to have a normal cholesterol initially because you think you're okay. But some of those particles might be this very sticky cholesterol particle called LP little a, and it hastens the deposit over years and years into the artery wall. And then the other thing we found is that particular LP little a gums up the valves. So every, every week, your heart's valves open and shut a million times. So every week for the entirety of your life, the heart has been beating a million times a week. And all of those beats have blood coursing past it that might have this sticky gummy process of LP little a, along with some other aging, clotting, and genetic factors that might be involved. And ultimately, we often now look on our echocardiograms for this situation we call a sclerotic aortic valve. And then eventually, the aortic valve opens like a trifold Mercedes sign, and eventually the corners of those valves start to stick together. And oftentimes, as we get to be 80, 90, and 100, the valves don't open well enough. And we certainly have great technologies to open those up through either catheters or surgery, but the best thing would be to prevent that. So I was talking to one of my great cardiology surgeon colleagues who takes care of the end of life issues. And we're always bantering back and forth about how I could prevent things. And he thinks Patha is gonna run him out of business because it will eliminate bypass surgery. So he's gonna to have to send his kids to uh, a local Colorado college instead of Harvard. And now, and now he says with the advent of Rapatha and Prolent being able to clean off the valves, we're gonna eliminate his valve surgery. So they're now going to have to go to junior college first, he said. <laughs> so the target of keeping that valve open, now my father is 96 and he just had valve surgery because we've only had Rapatha for a couple of years. But I'll bet you if I would have had him on that 20 or 30 years ago, as a young man like you, John, he would have never needed the valve surgery at a 96 year old. Though it's still good to have those surgeons to correct the problems that we can't stop. Got it. So I've always heard that LP little a was dangerous, but I've never heard such a good explanation. So it's well, because it's so sticky. Yes, that's kind of a simple word that I use, but it does gum up things, sticks to things. And that makes sense to everybody from the, from the brain to the valves to the blood vessels. When it gums things up, is the main thing that it gums up that's, that's a problem is just the valves or is there more to it than just the valves? No, it does contribute to plaque development. And then we've got another technology that we've been looking at to image microscopic clogs in the brain. So these little micro densities that develop from either blood pressure or excess cholesterol, we can now quantify those. And I've had a few patients where we quantify those by something called a lesion quant MRI. And we can actually count the number of lesions that we see. So I had a patient recently that we could see 40 micro strokes, we called them. And that caused him to lose 3.57 cubic centimeters of brain tissue. So that was a bad thing. We used that to get his Repatha approved. And then two years later, we looked at the same scan along with the usual things that I look at in the heart and the neck arteries, the carotids. And we found that the lesions in his brain, and he had a very high cholesterol as well as LP little a, they had gone from 40 lesions down to only eight. So a decrease of 32 micro strokes. And the amount of brain tissue loss was now only 0.8 cubic centimeters down from 3.57 cubic centimeters. So it's kind of our first example of 
clearing out the microscopic clogs that might have been caused by LP little a, probably not full-blown strokes, but just gummy little parts of the corners of 30,000 miles of blood vessels in your brain circulating around 100 billion brain cells, it made sense that we began cleaning some of those out. So in the same way, John, we saw your plaques in your heart reduced from 50% down to 20 and even zero, we see these plaques being removed from the brain. So I've got to feel, even though not, I'm not a brain expert, that we might want to call our institute the Boone Brain Institute as well, because we're looking at the plumbing uh, of the brain issues, which is probably part of every type of dementia. Yes, and so I've actually done those tests as well. And, you know, before and after Repatha, as you know. Yeah. And, and my numbers, I forget the numbers, but my numbers improved as well. Yeah, you had remarkable improvement. We have both an anatomic and a physiologic test of, of brain health. And it looks like, as most patients can relate to, that if we make the river of blood flowing into the brain crystal clear without any deposits of any harmful oxidation, inflammation, or lipids, that it makes sense that you begin to clean out all these various tributaries that are feeding these wonderful brain cells. Yes, and God knows I need it. You know, <laughs> you're at the top of the class. I need, I, need, I need more brain power, as much brain power as I can get. So let's talk about the electrical system for a, for a minute, um, Jeff. You know, I've got and um, have, have had for 15 years atrial, both atrial fibrillation and atrial flutter. And I think it goes back probably to the, to the sinus nodes somehow. And, but I've always controlled with medication, so it's never been a big deal. But could you explain to the audience exactly how the electrical system works and how that can be uh, impacted by, by uh, any of the things you've been talking about? Yes, and at the Boone Heart Institute, we have experts in electrophysiology, valveology, and other subsets of this, uh, this wonderful organ. The electrical system is very complicated, but it simply stated gets a signal from a node in the heart that sort of sends out a beat every second or so. When you exercise, it speeds up. When you sleep, it slows down. And so there's a very organized pattern of electricity moving through the heart. Once it gets disorganized, oftentimes because of clogged arteries, thick heart stretched chambers, it's almost like a house that's getting a little older and there's a, the lights are flickering a bit. And the, the couple of entities that are the most problematic and the ones you've had well treated, John, are atrial flutter, where the atrium has a node that sends out an electrical signal that's called a P wave and it starts sending it out more like a machine gun. So instead of sending it out at 60 beats a minute, it might send it out at 250 beats a minute. And then a worse version of that is atrial fibrillation, where it does it in a very Geiger counter way. And both of those just they're not deadly immediately, but they just cause the whole system to be um, poorly functional. A lot of times people just don't feel as well. Their heart becomes less efficient because the bucket brigade that moves blood through the heart isn't functioning as well. And a lot of buckets of blood or water, if you will, in that analogy are spilled. So normalizing those heart rhythms then allows the heart to, to move much more efficiently through the process. And then when you have a uh, an ablation or a cardioversion, then it resets the heart to the normal range and can have dramatic improvements on all aspects of health, energy, and uh, heart failure prevention. So it's a frustrating thing. Now, the other frustrating thing about it is that when you're a young athlete and you're exercising competitively, your heart can get very large in a very good way, but that isn't as 
beneficial as we get older. So I often have to counsel my most athletic patients to kind of relax and be less competitive because the pushing of the heart actually doesn't lend itself to great longevity if you're over-exercising. So I, I tell my patients that health is in your exercise program is different than fitness. If the, sometimes the most fit person is going to have later on more troubles with the electrical system and other parts of the system. So I often remind them that if they're exercising competitively or they want to climb Pikes Peak or Mount Everest, that's not for your health. That's for other issues of competition and performance and, and uh, stress control. But for exercise that's good for your electricity system is to be more moderate. Uh, certainly exercising more than most Americans do is beneficial, but not as severe as some people think might be necessary as it causes a little harm in the blood vessels, the muscle and the electricity. Well, that applied to me actually because I was a com I was a competitive athlete, and the first time I recognized that I had AF, I didn't know I had it, was I went on a stair stepper for forty five minutes, and I got to the twenty minute point, and I just could not continue. Yeah. And it turned out it was AF. My heart was beating at a couple hundred uh, beats beats per minute. All right, terrific. So, Dr. Boone, I appreciate all this information about the heart, how it works, what we can do about it, and uh, it's been very educational for me, and I actually started out by knowing a lot about this already, as you, as you know, so this has been great. Is there anything you would like to, um, for the listeners, just thinking about, of course, they're listening because they're interested in longevity. When they're thinking about the cardio, uh, the, you know, the potential for atherosclerosis, what kind of advice could you just give people to make sure they stay ahead of the curve and that the, uh, the number one killer doesn't get them? I think it's very important to seek imaging beyond your normal standard of care. That is, you need to go to a longevity institute like uh, many of your partners where we're seeking imaging of the blood vessels, the muscle, the valves, the electrical system beyond the usual standard of care. The standard of care in America is not going to lead to the kind of longevity that your clients are looking for. And so look for imaging. Do I have the disease? The other thing that's very important as we work with everybody from the Broncos to fire departments is to embrace the abnormality. And that's what you did so well is embrace this, the minor blockages, and then you can aggressively treat them and then watch them melt away, as opposed to uh, ignoring them or acting like they're not that important yet. And so I think embracing the abnormality is especially important for the, the person who's already trying to do their best. And it's hard to grapple with the idea that I might need more to, to get there. Well, that's great advice. And it certainly applies to me. I, I thank my um... ND um, at least once a week for introducing me to you so that I could uh, take the benefit of somebody who really knows what they're talking about. That would be you, Dr. Ben. <laughs> so thanks so much for being on. Appreciate it. And thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to visit us at AsherLongevity.com to learn more about the science, supplements, and strategies to live a much longer and happier life. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds you that looking after your health today gives you better hope for tomorrow. And that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like 